You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. We're going to talk with Connor Rogers this week of Bleacher Report and now, of course, of Turn on the Jets to review the 2018 NFL Draft and talk about some projections for the Jets rookies this season. Before we dive into our discussion with Connor, want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out more about Prime Sport's tickets and hospitality packages this year at primesport.com slash turn on the Jets and by giving them a follow on Twitter and Facebook at Prime Sport. This podcast is also brought to you by Razor Sport. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. Make sure to check them out for all the best betting advice and consultancy heading into or during now the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs and give them a follow on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. Again, that's RazorSport.com, R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com and PrimeSport.com backslash turn on the jets support the friends of the pod support the podcast all right let's not uh, delay anymore connor rogers bleacher report turn on the jets had quite a busy weekend on the desk for br how's everything going connor how are you feeling today i can't complain i'm feeling pretty good I, I think whenever the jets actually do well in a draft and come out with maybe a franchise quarterback it, it's hard to be upset yeah, it's a good time uh, for Jet fans, and it's a good time to have hope. And I think what's interesting is that we said going into this process that the top group of guys at quarterback in this class, basically Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold, were very tightly bunched together, and the Jets really couldn't make a mistake as long as they didn't take Josh Allen. Now, I think myself and you and most people figured that Sam Donald, if he didn't go number one, he would go number two because if the Giants were to take a quarterback, it would be him. So we spent most of our time and energy focusing on Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. So, of course, the Jets have now ended up with Sam Donald, who, look, is a guy that we talked about and wrote about and covered in the pre-draft process and has long been on the NFL draft's radar because if you looked at every mock draft the day after the 2017 NFL draft, he was the first overall pick mocked to the New York Jets. And lo and behold, here we are a year later where the Jets get him at third overall. So in your mind, how surprising was it that Darnold ended up at number three? And I'm sure you've gotten this question. I've gotten this question. How do you respond to people who are going to say, oh, well, now you love Sam Darnold, but you spent this entire past four months talking about Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield and saying Rosen was the top quarterback in this class? I mean, I'm shocked, to be honest with you, because I've been covering this draft class specifically for a almost a full year now. So it feels a little weird. Actually, we're coming up, yeah, on a full year 
that I've at least watched the top guys and, you know, travel to the senior bowl, travel to the combine, have gone to games. And the consensus with people that know John Dorsey's line of thinking in the NFL was there's no way he passes on Sam Darnold. And and Darnold's season, his final season at USC, was not a jaw-dropping season. It was a solid season on a, on an offense that was poorly coached and underachieved. And, and a lot of that actually wasn't his fault. But people felt Darnold was the high-floor player, the high ceiling along with that because he's only 20 years old. The character was off the charts while the raw talent is is very impressive when all is said and done. So... I was shocked. I like Baker Mayfield. Joe, I know you liked Baker Mayfield. I believe we both had him at number two as in this quarterback class. But the conventional NFL, you would never think they would take him number one overall. Even crazier than that is you would never think the Giants would come out and say, hey, when the Baker Mayfield car got turned in, we shut off our phones. We had our guy. The fact that, I mean, teams wanted to come up for Sam Darnold. The Jets just got so fortunate in this situation. That's what's so shocking. Yeah, I mean, it was just interesting to see that we had so much of this pre-draft chatter, chatter of Donald at one, and then Allen at one, and then really in the last 12 hours, we get this rush of Baker Mayfield talk, and then I think a lot of Jet fans spent draft day starting to talk about Donald. I'm still very surprised that the Giants ultimately ended up passing on him. It didn't even seem to entertain the thought of trading back or taking anybody else besides Saquon Barkley, and I've already spent more than enough time arguing with Giant fans about this and trying to explain that you can think Saquon Barkley is going to be a great pro, because I do think he's going to be a great pro, but it doesn't mean it was the right pick taking a running back at number two overall, but good luck trying to uh, get through that discussion with Giant fans. So, with Darnold, youngest quarterback in the class, I think checks literally every single box that a traditional NFL general manager would be looking for in a franchise quarterback on and off the field. Definitely the cleanest prospect, I would say, of all of these top guys. I can't. It's hard to find a negative thing about this guy's personality or the way he carries himself or anything off the field. We know he checks all the size and arm strength boxes. Despite his age, and this is something that I know I feel strongly about, I think actually most Jet fans feel pretty strongly about, why is it reasonable to think that Sam Darnold can start the majority of the the Jets games this year and maybe even start in week one? Well, quite simply, he he might actually be an upgrade by the end of training camp. I think that's a totally fair logic. I mean, listen, we all like Josh McCown. We like Josh McCown, the person. We like Josh McCown, a guy that kind of overachieved at 38 years old for almost a career year uh, last year before he got hurt. But the the ceiling of Sam Darnold as a rookie, not long-term, is a guy that can win you more games because he does have a clutch factor. He is more mobile and can make plays outside of the pocket and he can probably you know maybe challenge defenses a little more consistently I think we saw McCown who doesn't have a bad arm by any stretch of the means really check it down a lot last year it was a very you know the yards per attempt just seems seemed very very short week after week and Donald is a player that will really challenge that 10 to 13 to 14 yard range time and time again whether it's his ability in the pocket, extend the plays, or just, you know, the arm as a whole. When you look at Arnold, he's a guy that can bring it up. And why hide him? There's no need to hide him. This is not Christian Hackenberg where he needs to sit for two years and never play. There's nothing to hide. And Jeremy Bates is going to throw a lot at him. Sam Darnold is mentally ready. So there's, and he's physically ready. So when you look at it, 
Let's look at Jamal Adams' Twitter. That sounds ridiculous, but this is a young core that wants to win football games. The tanking talk is over. The, hey, we need to lose games to get this is over. This is a team that should go into the season and say, hey, our quarterback looked you know, capable enough in preseason, has sounded capable enough in a quarterback room. Let's see what we could do with him. Very, very similarly to the, the Philadelphia Eagles did during Carson Wentz's rookie year. Yes, get us on the Rams-Eagles development plan where your rookie plays through rough patches, you go out and add more talent in the offseason, and then in year two, you are ready to compete. The Jets' best window to compete is going to be when their franchise quarterback is on his rookie contract. Let's not delay that process unnecessarily so Josh McCown could lead the team to being 6-10, and 10, if he could even play that many games. He's going to be 39 years old. He played more games than he ever had in his career last year, so never mind the production regression to the mean. It's just a matter of also him staying healthy. So I think you have an open quarterback competition in training camp. And if it's even remotely close, I don't see any reason why you would not play Donald. And who cares if he struggles? And who cares if the New York media is so tough and the fans are tough? That's part of being a franchise quarterback here. And the sooner that he learns to deal with it and play through it, the better. Whenever he starts playing for the first time, he is going to deal with these struggles. So I don't see a reason to delay the inevitable. This is not a team who has Tom Brady or Brett Favre sitting in front of Sam Darnold. They don't even have freaking Alex Smith, which is part of the reason that Patrick Mahomes you know, ended up sitting for 15 games last year. But if you look, over the past decade, the only first-round quarterbacks who played less than five games in their rookie year or started less than five games are Jake Locker, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, Paxton Lynch, and Mahomes. So out of that group, only one of those guys, I think, has a chance to be pretty good in Mahomes. So I don't see the rush to put Darnold into that bucket. But we have the next three, four, or five months to endlessly argue about this because some people are adamant that Darnold must sit on the bench and learn. Let's move on to the Jets' next pick. We know they didn't have a second-round pick. Their next pick came in the third round where they went to the defensive line, and someone I'm imagining they view as part of the solution to replace Muhammad Wilkerson, along with veteran Henry Anderson, who they traded a seventh-round pick for. Nathan Shepard, a guy who played at Fort Hayes, small school, Older prospect will be 25 during this season. Tell me why this is going to be different than the Jets drafting a small school, old, older defensive prospect like Deion Simon, like Dylan Donahue, uh, and like some of the other times they've went a little older. Why will Shepard be able to make an impact in the first couple of years of this contract and prove to be good value in round three? Well, if I'm making the argument that he can make an impact, which I do believe he can, and I agree that these small school guys, especially the older small school guys, uh, are not usually the way to go. But I do think Shepard has a really good chance to be an outlier because you look at the player. I'll tell you a little story here. When I got to the Senior Bowl this year, there was a defensive lineman that I had never seen before from a school that usually does not pop up on on any of the rosters when you get to any all-star event that was beating D1 top-level offensive linemen rep after rep in the one-on-ones. I came into the Senior Bowl loving Will Hernandez and saw him get smoked by this guy. I saw a lot of other guys get beat, whether it was with power, whether it was with a rip move. He's got long arms. And it was Nathan Shepard. And unfortunately, he fractured his hand at the end of that practice and missed the rest of the week. So it kind of became this weird enigma, this weird figure that we were like well who is he and and what can he be and what kind of athlete is he because 
just looking from a scout's perspective, physically, he's one of the more impressive players you could see on a football field. That he's 6'4", around 315, and it's a rocked-up, muscled 315. This is not a big, ugly off, uh, defensive lineman. And when you look at Shepard's film at Fort Hayes State, he just he can't be blocked. Now, we've seen so many guys like this at that level say, okay, well, you know, okay, he's beating very, very bad football players. But that wasn't the case for Shepard at the Senior Bowl in a very short instance we saw him. I think teams think he can translate. And the key with him is the Jets have this weird obsession, or Bowles really has had this weird obsession over his career, to get guys that really control their gaps, shut down the run, are, are not twitchy, Shepard is a guy that actually has a lot of pass rush potential, which makes him so intriguing. He is a good run defender, but he can get after the quarterback. He has pass rush, pass rush moves that can impact the field right now. And like I said, he is a good athlete. He's another one of these guys in this class. It becomes cliche, but it will be one of the hardest working guys from the get-go. You never have to worry about that. When you look at the small school guys, the big question you have when you've seen them dominate is, are they willing to work hard enough to beat that next level of competition? And I think he is. So he's an older prospect. Fortunately, if you're going to take older prospects, you'd prefer them to be at positions like defensive line. And like I said, my favorite thing about him is I actually think he has some ability to get after the quarterback, not just be a run stuffer. Well, look, without a defensive line is currently constructed, he's going to have an opportunity to compete for reps right away. I think outside of Leonard Williams and Steve McClendon, nobody up front is really guaranteed a spot or playing time. You have some younger guys who flashed a little potential last year in Mike Pinnell and Xavier Cooper. Now you have Anderson in the mix, who's been impressive when healthy for the Colts. And of course, now you have Shepard. So it's going to be interesting to see how many defensive linemen they keep and how those reps ultimately get divided up. In the fourth round, the Jets grabbed Miami tight end. Chris Herndon, a pick that I think both of us liked a lot just because of the all-around game that he has and considering how weak the Jets tight end group is right now is another guy, if he's healthy and he is coming off an MCL surgery, is someone who could actually not just be a long-term asset here and someone who helps Sam Darnold, but could be someone who actually contributes in 2018 because you do need to be able to block. And despite having good size to be a target in the short to intermediate passing game, he is someone who's not going to be a complete zero blocking up front. So where does Herndon fit in along with this group, which has Jordan Leggett, fan favorite Jordan Leggett from last year, (laughs) uh, Eric Tomlinson, uh, who had a lot of good reps at the more traditional Y spot for the Jets last year, and then low under the radar free agent signings of Bucky Hodges and Clive Walford. I mean, I look at this depth, this depth chart, which is not very impressive. Let's be real. It's, it's not. And I say, okay, there's no reason that Chris Herndon can't really fill the ASJ role from last year, which got really overrated down the stretch. I thought ASJ's comeback story was great. I thought he was a very solid red zone presence, but he wasn't a game-changing tight end. And when you look at what Herndon would be asked to do to fill that role, the Jets really like Eric Tomlinson as a blocker. Jeremy Bates really likes Eric Tomlinson as that blocking tight end. Now, Now you have this bit of this mishmash group where, Maybe Sterling gets involved as a pass catcher. I know I'm negative on this all the time. I do not have faith in Leggett to really be an NFL caliber tight end. He just always seems to be hurt. He's not going to block anyone, and he's an average pass catcher. Not not bad, but just average. So he would really surprise me. Clive Walford hasn't been the same since he got into an ATV accident, but is a very, very solid guy. If he's your third tight end on the depth chart, that's fine. So when you look at Herndon, a player that could do everything, he was open a lot underneath last year. 
And the quarterback simply didn't get him the ball. That was a problem for Miami for most of the year. Their quarterback did not get him the football. He can make things happen after the catch because he's a pretty decent athlete. And he really holds his own as a pass blocker. I thought what jumped out to me was I thought he really held his own against Josh Sweat of Florida State one-on-one at times. So the Jets are not looking for a ton from their tight end group. They're not asking for a ton. That's why you go out and sign Terrell Pryor to be your fourth wide receiver because you like your wide receiver group. You like your pass-catching running backs. Uh, But when you look at it, they still need tight ends that can block and maybe catch stuff as a safety valve, especially from the guys like Josh McCown or a rookie quarterback like Sam Darnold. So Herndon's a player where this is on a much smaller scale, feels a little reminiscent to what happened to Marcus May for the Jets last year. Marcus May was probably a back end of round one player or maybe, you know, first pick of the second round type talent. And he fell because he got hurt and couldn't test for teams. That happened to Herndon his last year at college. He got hurt. He couldn't run for teams. When I had talked to teams back in the fall, they said, listen, he's the sleeper in the third round we really like right now. So if he didn't get hurt and he ran really well and worked out at full strength, I think he would have easily been in the third round. The Jets get him in the fourth, so decent value here. Yeah, I'm excited about excited about the addition and excited to add further support to Sam Darnold's offense going forward. This wasn't really an offense-dominated draft. The Jets basically split their picks, uh, three offense and three defense, four defense if you want to count the trade for Anderson. So their next pick uh, ends up being, and, you know, Connor, make sure we were, we're really now on the pronunciation here. <laughs> Folorenzo Fadu Kasai, I'm sure I said that wrong, and I've listened to it like six times since they drafted it, and I'm sure, sure I still have not nailed it. But another defensive lineman, uh, somebody who I think skill set compared to Shepard from everything that I've been able to consume about him is, is more of a traditional two-down uh, defender of the run with a little less upside as a pass rusher. What did you think about this pick, and what did you think about doubling down on the defensive line, and how would you address Jet fans who literally cannot believe they drafted two more defensive linemen after how many defensive linemen they've drafted over the past six or seven years? Yeah, I had mixed thoughts on uh, Full Lorenzo Fatukasi. We'll just call him Foley to make our lives a lot easier over Foley these next couple is, months, definitely. Joe. Foley it um, is. So, yeah, so when you look at him, it, it's mixed thoughts for a couple reasons. One, they had already made the trade for Henry Anderson at this point, right? And this guy is kind of a poor man's Henry Anderson. So when I look at it, I, I, like I said to you, I like the Shepard pick because I liked the player a lot and I liked his pass rush upside a lot. Then you trade for Henry Anderson. It's like, okay, we gave up a seventh round pick for a really, really good run defender. That's great because the D-line was a little thin. Then you take Foley, who I like the player because he's a very, very capable run stopper. He's not going to offer anything as a pass rusher. This is a hold the fort, don't get moved off the defensive line, and once again, control your gaps and shut down the run kind of player with NFL size. He's from New York, so there's a little bias there. You would like to see him succeed here. But, I mean, once again, how many defensive linemen are they going to hold? Was this a need here? Would I rather swing for the fences on an athlete in another position group? Yeah, I would have. I think it would have been a little more wide. Listen, at this point of the draft, the edge class You're not getting anything. So I'm never going to kill the Jets for the crowd that says, well, I wish they addressed edge on day three. That's how you end up with the Dylan Donahues of the world. It's unfortunate, but the Jets probably are going to go into this year and it's going to be a big problem. Edge pass rush. And that's okay. It's just it's how things work. You're going to have weaknesses. It's something they really, really need to prioritize next offseason. So I wasn't mad about the pick about that. I wasn't mad about the pick of the player because I do think this is an NFL caliber player that they got on late day three. 
But once again, you'd like to see them really try to shore up depth on a different position group. Yeah, it feels like when you're looking at this class and the roster, if there is a guy who's going to have a tough time making the final 53, this could be it. And maybe they put him on the practice squad for a year or two, but it's hard when you're laying out the Jets' final 53 to see him finding a way to fit on it unless he has a big preseason. All right, so for the second year in a row, and I think this is kind of interesting, maybe just because I'm a complete dork with stuff like this, the Jets had three sixth-round picks for the second year in a row and zero seventh-round picks. So clearly the Jets think there should only be six rounds in the NFL draft, and that went, that, that's basically their cutoff point for when they're going to take players. So yeah. their last two picks end up being um, Parry Nickerson, uh, who is a guy that had visited them before the draft, a guy that has a game that reminds you a little bit of Buster Screen, hopefully with less penalties, but someone who really fits that slot corner profile uh, in Todd Bowles' defense. A guy I was excited to see them get in the sixth round, despite him being a slightly older prospect. At least it was at a position of need, a premium position, and a guy who I felt fell a little further than I thought, considering his ball skills and his uh, top-end speed. I mean, this guy could fly in the open field. Worst-case scenario, he's a very valuable gunner on special teams, and I hope that he's somebody who can push Buster screen for reps and is really the, the team's full-time slot corner in 2019. Is that too ambitious of an expectation for him? I don't think so. I think Perry Nickerson is a pretty good talent, and he really is Buster Screen-esque. It's crazy when you look at the pros and cons of both. Both are very fast, undersized, feisty corners with some ball skills. Nickerson actually might be have even a little bit better of ball skills. I know it's hard to get too high on college production, and, and Screen's pretty reliable in that department, but when you look at Nickerson, he's almost the same player for his week, and he does get grabby like screen. This is when corners are five foot ten, 180 pounds. They get grabby because they, if they get knocked off of, you know, really trying to mirror and match the route, they tend to grab. It happens. But Nickerson does have really world class speed when you look here, and he is the perfect guy to sit and develop behind screen. And let's be real here, screen was hurt a lot last year, where it felt like at times like. Who's on the field at slot corner? It, it has felt like that at times over the last two years. So it's good to have someone that I think will be a little more reliable as a backup and someone that really does have a good chance to earn the starting nickel job for you know 2019, 2020. So Nickerson's a good value pick. He fits the defense. He fits what New Jack City is all about. They are feisty. They are loud. They are aggressive defensive backs that play a different style of football. And it's actually nice for how quiet Todd Bowles is and how much that has become a knock on him. This team actually has some kind of identity, and and Nickerson truly does fit that. Yeah, it was definitely one of the day three picks or maybe the day three, the day three pick that I was the most excited about and do think he's definitely going to be a guy who makes this roster and will have an impact hopefully sooner rather than later. Last pick, another D2 prospect or not traditional division one prospect, which actually ended up being two of the jet six picks running back Trenton cannon, uh, a guy who absolutely dominated at his level uh, of competition has a lot of speed profiles has more of a returner potentially in a scat back. Now, 
I think, again, with Cannon, when you take a guy, small school, undersized, if he cannot find a way to win the return job or distinguish himself on special teams, I'm not sure how he makes this roster, considering that Bilal Powell is still around, and I think he ultimately will stay around. You have Isaiah Crowell, you have Eli McGuire from last year, and you also added Thomas Rawls to the mix. Uh, so how does Cannon stick on this roster, or does this just end up being a day three flyer that if he doesn't win the kick return job, uh, he's probably not going to be around for long. Yeah, it's truly an uphill climb for Cannon. But when you look at the Jets this year, I actually want to see the route they go with the quarterback depth chart in terms of how many they carry. Because Please, God, carry, carry two. two. Please carry yeah, two. Right? Carry two. So when you look at it to me, maybe that opens up a roster spot for a return specialist, which I have mixed feelings on. The NFL has almost made the return you know, job in the NFL not nearly as important as it once was. But on the Jets side of things, it has been about as ugly to watch as you can possibly put on an NFL field for what feels like at least a year now. So Cannon, who is a very, very good kick returner in college, an incredibly explosive athlete. I mean, when you look at his test, everything is really nice. From the 40-yard dash, which was a 4-4, to the 10-yard split, which is a 1-4-9, and the vertical, which is nearing 40 inches, inches. You like rolling the dice on an athlete if you're going to take a D2 player. Now, will he translate? I'm skeptical about him translating at the running back position. I would hope that they put this guy through a really serious workout as a punt returner because I haven't seen him do it in college yet. If he did, I apologize to Virginia State fans. I missed it. I thought he was just a kick returner. So you would hope that the Jets are comfortable that he can handle both return jobs because if you're going to keep a return specialist, they're returning punts and kicks. So, it would be nice if they get some reliability at this spot, but I'm just a little skeptic of this pick. All right, so before we wrap, they, as we mentioned, they traded a seventh-round pick for Henry Anderson of the Colts, a guy who is really flashed at times, but has struggled with, a, I believe it's a throat injury. It's, it's an odd injury that you don't traditionally see with NFL players. We also know they added some undrafted free agents. The one who's getting the most discussion is Dimitri Flowers from Oklahoma, especially considering what the Jets' fullback and tight end position looks like. Are Anderson and Flowers both guys who are on the 53? I think the my initial thought is probably, particularly if Anderson is healthy. I did initially put Lawrence Thomas as the fullback, but the more I look at the versatility of Flowers' game, and I'm trying not to get sucked into because I feel like every single year the Jets sign an undrafted free agent who yep. everyone is convinced is going to make the roster, and it never happens, so that's why I stuck with Thomas. But is Flowers the guy who breaks that trend, and is Anderson a guy who is actually the starting defensive end opposite Leonard Williams next year? Uh, I think Henry Anderson's a starter. I, I really do. I, I've heard that he's healthy now. I did check in on that. I've heard he's going to be full go after what you said. You know, it's a freakish throat injury. So it, this was not a move because of health. This was a move because the Colts were changing schemes, and they clearly just felt the player was not a fit in that scheme anymore. And there's just not really a lot of value in return of defensive linemen. So Anderson on first and second downs is going to be in there, and I actually think he's going to be a really nice surprise for Jets fans because – He's such a reliable run defender when you look at him in that regard. It's, it's you know, he's just rock solid. And now when you look at Dimitri Flowers, I feel you, Joe, because I did the same thing last year with when Gabe Marks was in camp. I said, I would be shocked if Gabe Marks doesn't fight to make the team, and I don't even think he's in the NFL anymore. So we get suckered into these UDFA signings. But Flowers was really a fifth-round player to me in, in a league that people are a little short-sighted or, or a little naive. They always go, 
hey, you know, the fullback's dead. But Flowers is not the type of fullback that is extinct anymore. When you look at what San Francisco has done, they gave, you know, a guy like Juzak, the Juice, big money. Flowers can kind of play that role where he is a good blocker. He's a really good pass catcher. He can run if you need him to. He can handle so many different things. I think they have a place for him in this offense. So when you look at the competition there, you know, there's not a ton in my eyes. So I think the Jets actually have the chance to keep Flowers on this roster and and be a playmaker. He doesn't just have to line up and block. He can pose really all kinds of threats. So Flowers, we do get suckered into it all the time, but I think he's a legitimate UDFA that has a really good chance to make the roster. I think Anderson ends up actually being a starter. Now, he's not going to be the flashiest player. We, we know that, but they don't need that from him. He's not going to get after the quarterback, but they need reliability up front against the run. So I like both of those additions for essentially no cost. So knowing how crowd, I don't want to, it seems weird to say this on a 5-11 and 11 team, but some of these positions are getting crowded, and where is this team, how do they fit under the 53 when you look at last year's draft picks, the UDFAs, some of the acquisitions this offseason, um, and then this year's draft class? Now, both of us are aligned on the thought of keeping two quarterbacks. How rare is it where the number three quarterback ever plays in the NFL? He's usually just inactive every week, so why not use that roster spot to carry four running backs or four tight ends or an extra pass rusher or whatever? Who are some guys that most Jet fans probably think off the top of their head are definitely going to be on the 53 that there's just not going to be room for anymore when you consider some of the acquisitions they made and not just the the week one free agency acquisitions, some of the extra signings that they had in the second and third weeks. I'm talking about the Clive Walford, the Bucky Hodges, the Charles Johnson, the Andre Roberts, some of these other lower teal veterans who they added, Kevin Minter and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, an inside linebacker. Um, Who are some names that were either drafted by the team in recent years or were recent signings that are probably now going to be on the outside looking in at this roster. Yeah, well, there's a huge logjam at wide receiver where it becomes really interesting for Sharon Peak. When you go back and you look at something you said about Perry Nickerson, can he be a really good gunner? I think he can. And Peak's best asset to the team since he was drafted in the seventh round two years ago, he's been a really, really good gunner but just hasn't offered a ton else. So it's an uphill climb for peak because the wide receiver group is stacked right now. I mean, it's safe to say that Robbie Anderson, Quincy and Nunwa, Jermaine curse and and Terrell Pryor are going to make this team. That's four off the top that are locks. I do think the staff will stick with our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen. I thought they, they felt that both those players were making progress progress in practice last year. So That might even be five and six, and then things start to get crazy. Now, will they keep Andre Roberts just to return kicks? Well, they might have just drafted a guy that they have that plan for in place with Trenton Cannon. So Andre Roberts was a late signing that might be cut. Where is there a spot for Charles Johnson on his comeback as a vertical threat wide receiver when they have a lot of those guys? How much does he have left in the tank? It's an uphill climb for him. The tight end group, I mean, Christopher Herndon and Eric Tomlinson are almost locks in my eyes because of what they bring which makes it a three-man battle between Jordan Leggett, who I do not think makes the team, Neil Sterling, and Clive Walford. And I think the staff had some faith in Sterling down the stretch, which probably gives him the upper hand amongst that group. There's no, Like you said, there's no reason that Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg should be on this team. I'm very curious to see how Teddy Bridgewater looks because it's a long shot. But if Teddy Bridgewater looks like his old self, Do they start to talk about him or Josh McCown or just keep both? That is going under the radar and is just 
fascinating to me when you look at this team right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out in the preseason and where they decide to carry extra bodies. And they've made some weird depth chart decisions in the past where there's been weeks where they've carried four or five tight ends or they've carried eight receivers. So I'm curious how they end up shuffling it around. And I think a lot of it is going to you know, come down uh, to special teams and special teams value and what they think the long-term development potential is of some of these guys. All right, Connor, thank you for taking the time for joining us. Everyone, give Connor a follow on Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers. Make sure to subscribe to the Stick to the Jets podcast, which drops every Monday on the Turn on the Jets digital podcast network. Um, of course, make sure to subscribe to this podcast as well, the Turn on the Jets podcast. Leave us a review. Leave, leave us a subscription. Uh, before I sign off, I'm going to throw it to Scott, who will also run down some of our upcoming shows across the network. Connor, thanks again for joining us. Oh, no problem, Joe. Thanks, Connor and Joe, and don't forget to catch Connor every Monday on Stick to the Jets here on Turn on the Jets Digital. This week on Turn on the Jets Digital, by the time you're hearing this, you'll probably be able to download the latest episode of The Jet Take with Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington. They take your calls every Wednesday, and then by Thursday morning, you should be able to download it for your commute to work, so you can go ahead and do that right now at TurnOnTheJets.com and iTunes. Then there's my podcast with my tag team partner, Big John Sparopoulos, Play Like a Jet. Every Friday, we release a new episode where we talk to the players from the past and go back in time through the biggest moments in New York Jets history, games, careers, seasons, and this week is no different. It's the final edition of our 2009 series with Thomas Jones, the former Pro Bowl running back. We're going to get into the AFC Championship game with the Jets and the Indianapolis Colts. How would that turn out? Would the Jets go to the Super Bowl? Odds are, if you're a Jets fan and you're listening to this, you probably know, but it's still good to relive all the great memories from the 2009 season. One of the best seasons in Jets history. And if you've missed any of the other 10 parts, you can download them right now at TurnOnTheJets.com, iTunes, and anywhere else where podcasts can be downloaded. And don't forget also that the newest edition of Draft Season is up and ready for you to listen to. That drops on Tuesdays. This week, the episode that you can download, and it's already our most popular, so if you haven't checked it out yet, you're missing out. It features Dalvin Asario and Joe Malfa going through the 2018 draft class for the Jets, and Michael Nania of TurnOnTheJets.com is going to come on and talk about all the undrafted free agents that the Jets sign, which guys are long shots, and which guys might actually make the roster. He's got a great piece up right now also at TurnOnTheJets.com about it, so make sure you check it out. So a whole network of podcasts going on. Don't forget, Connor's got Stick to the Jets every Monday. On Tuesday, it's draft season with Dalvin Asario and Joel Malfa. Wednesday night live it's the Jet Take with Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington. And if you can't listen live or call in, you can get it the next morning by downloading it on iTunes or at TurnOnTheJets.com. You've got the Turn on the Jets podcast, which you're listening to right now with Joe Caparoso. That drops every Thursday. And then my podcast, Play Like a Jet, that'll be every single Friday taking a look back in New York Jets history. And if you missed any of the quarterback podcasts that I did, obviously Sam Darnold's the one that you want to listen for for the Jets. You could still listen to Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, or Baker Mayfield if you're interested, because if you're an NFL fan, good chance that you are. But Sam Darnold's the big one, since he's going to be the Jets quarterback, and that one is up right now at TurnOnTheJets.com, iTunes, and anywhere where you can download podcasts. You can hear all about Sam Darnold from former 12-year NFL veteran quarterback Dan Arlovsky, Mark Schofield from Inside the Pylon, the analytics get broken down by Jim Coburn, and then Joey Kaufman from the Orange County Register 
comes on to talk about Darnold from the ground, from his vantage point, covering him every day in Southern California. And if you want more Darnold, then let's be honest, I know you do. First of all, visit our store at theloyalist.com slash turn on the jets. We've got a brand new Sam Darnold shirt there. And Joe Blewett and Kyle Smith are starting a film room podcast coming up within the next month or so. But as a special preview, we're going to be diving into Sam Darnold. Kyle will join me to talk about Sam Darnold's 2016 film, and Joe will join me to talk about Darnold's 2017 film. The Darnold podcast will be available sometime within the next week or so, so stay tuned to social media and these podcasts that turn on the Jets digital for more information. But believe me, if you know anything about Joe's breakdowns, if you want to know everything there is to know about Sam Darnold from a film perspective, you really want to know his strengths and his weaknesses, the way that a coach or a scout would analyze them, you want to be listening to this. So the Sam Darnold podcasts are coming, the film room previews with Kyle Smith to talk about Sam Darnold's 2016 film and Joe Blewett to talk about his 2017 film. Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast. Don't forget to follow me at Play Like a Jet One. Listen to all of our podcasts at Turn on the Jets Digital. Follow us on Instagram at Turn on the Jets underscore IG. And of course, for all the latest Jets news and information, there's only one place to go, and that's turnonthejets.com.